This is a show for missionary disciples who worship Christ in the Eucharist and serve him and their neighbor, for whom the words of the creed reverberate through their daily activity. This is a show for those like you and me who make the conscious choice to follow Christ outside the walls. You know me, every once in a while I get in a rut, uh, and and I think that, that we're just about to enter into one. Uh, it's a lovely rut, though. It's a, we'll, we'll call it a, a hole through which we can dive down deeper into and see how, how deep this rabbit hole goes. Um, we're here in the season of Advent, coming up on the second Sunday of Advent. And last week we talked with uh, Meg Hunter-Kelmer about her beautiful book, Saints Around the World, uh, and then also the book for adults called Pray For Us, and lo and behold, in my email box this week comes uh, a, a press release for um, Cardinal Studios' next summit. You might know we've talked to, about them before. Uh, they have these summits where they bring some of the, the most sought-after speakers, and they put them on your computer. started out with, uh, with COVID when that first hit. They were trying to find a way to say, how can we make the faith accessible as people are kind of stuck in their homes? And as we continue to still not be 100% out and going to conferences and doing the things that we like to do, they're still putting out content for us. And so this next one is the Saints Summit, uh, saintsummit.com, the Saints 2021. By the way, that is uh, singular saint, saintsummit.com. It's their summit on the saints as witnesses for today. So what they have is they've got 25 different speakers coming to talk about 25 saints, and they're doing it in a way that makes it accessible for the whole family. This would be a wonderful thing for you to sit down with your middle school kids and up, uh, and there's coloring sheets that you can occupy the younger ones with, and you can come together and delve into, over the course of these couple of days, uh, the, the lives of the saints, not only who they were, but what they mean for us today. And so they've got a number of speakers that are going to be coming and being a part of that, uh, including Dr. Edward Sri, uh, Kimberly Hahn, and our guest today, the one and the only uh, Chris Paget. Chris, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. And thank you all for your thunderous applause. Thank you. <laughs> so now here we have this opportunity to come and learn about the saints. It doesn't seem like the normal kind of Adventy thing. Uh, normally when we're doing Advent, we're talking about uh, Jesus is coming, preparing not only for the Christmas season, but also for the second coming of Christ. And we're looking at issues of of justice and the eschaton and all kinds of other things thrown into this. Um, here we have this opportunity to learn about the saints. Tell me a little bit about why you are bringing this to us uh, in the season that we traditionally think of other things. I think the the um, kind of the banner behind all of this was we just need to be um, reminded that we're not alone when we go through struggles and difficult times. And what better example than the saints who have uh, carried their crosses in very unique and very difficult times. And so 25 different saints were selected and numerous different speakers, evangelists, um, just kind of shared their heart. And while it's not an overtly intentionally advent retreat, uh, you know, really at the end of the day, we're all being invited to let Christ have more of us as we journey towards that encounter with him. And uh, each of these saints have done that in their own way. And I think it's kind of refreshing to remember that um, being a saint doesn't mean that it's just levitating, bilocating, and, and all sorts of warm, fuzzy feelings, but it's this 
kind of nitty gritty, you know, brass tacks, blood, sweat, and tears uh, of just living out the faith uh, amidst all that the world, the flesh, and the devil can throw at you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the saints have lived through this in a way that that gives us a little bit of hope. Seeing someone who's gone through to the other side and can say, listen, the world threw everything it could at me, and and sometimes even to my death, and it still is okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I don't know if you're like me, but I, I have certain saints that I usually gravitate towards because their message just seems to resonate with me. But the older I've gotten, the more I've seen that there are certain saints that come to me and introduce themselves to me at particular times and um, and really just help me take another step, say another yes to the will of God in what seems like an impossible situation. Um, and so in some ways, it's it's hard for me to just pick one, right. <laughs> one saint that really does it all for me, if you will. And so uh, for me with this, with this saint summit, um, I picked uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Um, and I kind of have, have uh, felt like she's picked me in a variety of different ways to you know, to, to love her son and to, and to be a witness. So I have the privilege of speaking about the queen of all saints. And I find that, that her message seems to resonate and be applicable to all, no matter where they are in this journey. Now you're a convert and I'm a convert and, and I still have kind of those convert ears. (laughs) One of those things is often you'll hear people say, as you just did, uh, sometimes the saints pick you. Um, and to someone who's not grown up necessarily in the, maybe, maybe for some of you who, who are cradle, it just kind of strikes the ears a little bit differently. So can you break that down outside of the, uh, the soundbite or the phrase and tell me about a time that you noticed a saint picking you? How did that manifest in your life and what difference did it make when this saint came and approached you and basically grabbed hold of you and adopted you for that moment? <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny is that when a kid goes through the various uh, requirements for religious education and the sacramental um, realities, they have that chance where they can choose a saint. And um, and for me, when I entered the church Easter of 1999, I don't know if the priest that I was going through in the diocese just didn't see that as a hugely important part of it. I, I never picked a saint specifically to have as my saint name. And um, I just decided that I'm taking them all, (laughs) which seems to be a little bit of a Theresian thing to do. And so I've just uh, really kind of allowed them to, you know, interact with me. And so here's what I mean when I say that I felt like a saint picked me or this interacting with the saint is that uh, if we're going to say that, which we do, that as the body of Christ, that we are united with Christ via baptism and the the church militant, us here in time and space, right? The church suffering uh, and uh, that church uh, glorious in the presence of God, like that this oneness, this body image is real, then I can lean upon them and depend upon them far greater than I could if I were even speaking to them face-to-face. I'm limited in a way by my vocabulary and my ability to process and articulate things. But in that beatific vision, in the presence of God, there's a, there's a connection point, which is certainly Jesus Christ, that enables an intimacy. So I believe that. I believe that. And that's one of the big 
the big leaps from my Protestant past is that the intercession of the saints, the interaction of the saints is, is not um, at all counter theological. It's not at odds with the faith. It's, it's inclusive of this mediatory work of Jesus Christ. We could talk about that forever, but all that to say, uh, an example for me specifically was St. Maximilian Kolbe, and um, I began to learn a little bit about him, read a bit about him, and I just, every time I turned around, I felt like he was really just strong in my in my thinking, and the more that I began to read and to study, I began to pray and ask the Lord, uh, how can I honor that kind of a life, and how can I have that part of, you know, his desire for God and love for Mary, how can that show up in my life? And at that time, we were due with our um, our new baby. And um, and I said to the Lord, I said, Jesus, if you if you give us a boy, I'm going to name him after St. Maximilian Colby because I feel like he's been so strong in my heart. I've been resonating so much with him. So if it's a boy, I want to honor that saint and honor you uh, by naming my son after him. And I would pray that he would exemplify this kind of complete gift of self in some form and fashion. And if it's not going to be a boy, uh, then, you know, obviously you'll give us the name for the, for the girl. Well, Colby was born and uh, we, we had a lot of explaining to do with a lot of our Protestant friends who thought we were naming him after cheese. <laughs> but uh, what was fascinating is that my sister and uh, brother-in-law were, um, uh, had the opportunity to go to Auschwitz and they, um, they, they, unbeknownst to them, they entered into this cell that was dedicated um to this Catholic priest who had died there. And there's a little plaque there. And they started thinking a little bit about, and then they wondered, well, I have a, we have a nephew named Colby. And all of a sudden, all of those kind of things clicked uh, as to why we named him. Now we told him that before. So I I bring all of this up is that what I feel like is that it's, it's like you saying to me, you know, Hey, check out this particular band. Their music's great. Listen to the guitar riff there. It's pretty cool. I check it out. I like it. Now I want to explore it more. Now I have the chance to, to maybe go visit them, interact with them. I'm learning not just about them from you, but I'm learning in a way from them. And actually I've been reading a little devotional book, some of the writings of St. Maximilian Colby. So that devotion still continues to grow. And, and really he seems so fitting in my family TL because my wife's father was a Mason. Hmm. And if you start to find out about St. Maximilian Colby, he did such, you know, strong and strenuous work to try to convert people from the misunderstandings and the, and the false teachings of the Masonic order. And, um, so you have even me as a convert, my great hesitation or resistance was Marian devotion. Yeah. And of course, St. Maximilian Colby had such a desire to love Mary that uh, it just seemed fitting. So in you know all of these different fronts and these different ways, I keep running into St. Colby. And ultimately, at the end of the day, for me, it was the the great struggle was really trying to have that devotion to Mary, you know, uh, which I respected so much about and saw in St. Colby. Really, ultimately, he led me to that to that that devotion, which I got a chance to reflect on for the conference. We're talking today with Chris Paget about this upcoming summit, the Saint Summit 2021, Saint 
summit.com. Uh, we didn't tell you yet when it's going to be, but it's it's starting uh, December 10th in the evening around 6 p.m. Eastern. Um, and it goes through December 12th. And you can watch on demand all of the, the 25 talks during the course of that time. And that's absolutely free. Nothing, uh, nothing required to pay unless you want unlimited access uh, in in perpetuity, right? Uh, then you can, for $50, if you get it before the summit, um, for $50, you can get lifetime on-demand access, audio downloads of all the presentations, and then this is the fun stuff. Then you're going to get a couple of coloring books, uh, the one page for each of the 25 saints that are mentioned, and then a second one that is the story of St. Juan Diego and Our Lady of Guadalupe, 20-page downloadable coloring book. So if you're looking for something to stuff the stockings with for the, the kids who are coloring age, this would be a great thing because you can get the talks for yourself. You can go and visit them over and over again. You can listen to them in your car with the MP3s, and then you can kind of stuff in the extra coloring sheets with a parent companion guide to help you talk about these saints with your young children. Again, it's free December 10th through 12th, uh, but if you want to get to it afterwards, then you should buy it before the summit happens, that, that $49.99 lifetime access, because the price goes up afterward. So, um, Chris, we're talking about how the saints come and choose us, and I was meditating on this about 30 minutes before we got on, thinking of how when Mary comes and she has her apparitions, which of course we've got a couple of big feast days coming up on the 8th and then again on the, the 12th uh, for Mary, she comes and, and appears as the culture that she's coming and appearing to. There's this, this sense of belonging and sameness. And then I think of the saints that come, like St. Therese, or for you and for me both, St. Maximilian Colby, who out of nowhere came and said, hey, you're mine, uh, and I'm I'm going to be praying for you, and I want you to know that. Um, I got to thinking, why is it that the saints are more interested sometimes in us than than we can be in them? Why are they coming and hunting us down and praying for us and letting us know of their of their intercession in kind of weird and random ways? And I got to thinking about what heaven is. This this intimate belonging to God and the seeing fully and knowing fully, even as we are known. And it just kind of hit me just this little thought. The saints understand what it means for us to be members of one another and to belong to one another as the church triumphant more than we understand what it means for us to be part of the communion of saints. And so they're inviting us just as Christ through his life, death and resurrection uh, makes us sharers in the divine nature and and gives us a taste of this divine life, sharers in the divine life. I think so too. The saints are actively involved in that intercession for us in inviting us in a deeper way into the communion of saints than we would otherwise have the capacity to enter into. Yeah, I think that the example of seeing clearly that St. Paul gives us in, um, in Corinthians is exactly the point. And I think that they see in us the possibilities, the capabilities um, in Christ that, that for some reason we struggle to see. So, you know, when St. Paul will say that we're more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us and things like that, I can do all things. These are not just neat ideas, platitude slogans. I mean, this, this is real. Um, and, and I think that the saints realize that and see that. And 
So I do believe that they come alongside us like a great coach would and, and cheer us on and advocate for us to, to take a step like a good father will, um, you know, when they're looking at the child who's afraid of something and they know that they just need to take and, and press forward. I think that they're, they're like that. I, I have a friend of mine who went over to a Marion site and he, um, Long story short, he didn't bring enough money and he wanted to buy a gift for his girlfriend and he couldn't do both, eat and buy the gift. So he bought the gift and he decided, well, I'll just get a loaf of bread and I'll eat a little bit for the next three days and I'll be hungry, but at least I'll go home. I'll make a pilgrimage of it as yeah. I should. And he did. And uh, and then on the last day as he was going out, uh, the lady at the house that he was staying at stopped him and said, you know, we've missed you. Where have you been? He goes, well, I got up really early every day and I went out and walked the sites and prayed. He didn't want to just stay home and think about how hungry he was. And and then I came home really late and just went to bed and did it again. She said, well, we had a table set for you every morning for breakfast and there was one for you every evening as well for dinner. I mean, it was part of what you paid for. And I've found that story to be so hilarious hilarious because I think that that's that is really the the reality of where we are so often when it comes to our faith is that you know we've been given everything we need it says in scripture for life and godliness everything we don't lack anything um St. Peter's going to say and the truth is is that we live an impoverished life so often because we just don't know and I, I do think that the saints come to us to witness uh, possibility. And so it's, it's not just a, a cool motivating story, but I think it's the possibility that, that this is what happened here at this time and place. When I said, yes, what will happen when you say yes? And that's motivating. And we see this also in scripture, right? You have the psalmist who over and over again recounts one uh, the creation story that God's saying, all of this has been created by me. I have that capacity and and therefore I have the capacity to take care of you. We also see recounted over and over again, the story of the Exodus. And it's almost as if the psalmist is saying, look at all of these times that God has been faithful before in difficult circumstances. Look at all these times where the people have been in, in taken away and carried away, and yet here we stand. Here we are. God has brought us to this place. And I think that one of the things we miss out on, maybe this is just as Western Christians or modern Christians or whatever, is we're so focused on the moment and on the difficulties that we're facing either individually or as a society that we don't take the time to look back and say, you know what? God has been tested and proven true over and over again. I, I see my circumstances and I can be easily overwhelmed by them until I see, well, Edith Stein experienced this and St. John of the Cross experienced this. All of these saints have gone through these difficult things and God provided for their needs. There is no need for me to be anxious because God's proven himself faithful, and all I have to do is wait in patience. And like St. Teresa of Avila says, patience obtains all things. Yeah. I have two thoughts that really um, kind of flow from what you're saying for me. One is when David's going to um, face Goliath, he says to King Saul that the reason he knows he'll be victorious slaying the giant mm -hmm. is because why? Well, because he's seen the faithfulness of God in other parts of his life. And those those faithful moments of God's 
protection and provision. Um, that's what he's going to stand on when he battles Goliath. He's, you know, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Um, your servant has killed both lions and bears and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And I love that his motivation for confidence in the Lord is the faithfulness of God in his earlier experiences in life. And it really, it does beg the question a lot of times, and I, I like to ask people this, like, how has God been faithful to you before? I mean, if he's faithful and has been faithful, why will he not now, like, why do you think that all of a sudden he has taken his hand off of you? And the other example that really resonates with me is the um, is the story of Jairus and uh, his daughter and the woman with the issue of blood. Most people um, may not have really spent a lot of time just thinking about this, but the stories happen almost simultaneously. The woman with the issue of blood. She is coming amidst this great crowd, knowing that she's not worthy. She's thinking, if I can just touch them of his garment, I'll be healed. The crowd is following Jesus because Jairus, the leader of that synagogue, is asking he to come and heal his daughter. And he comes. He, it says he went with him, which is one of the most beautiful phrases there in Scripture. Jesus comes at his greatest hour of need to be with him and walk to, um, to his daughter's um, sick bed. Well, what happens? Obviously, the woman touches his his cloak, his garment. Power's gone forth from me. Who touched me? Well, there's a million people here, Jesus. How about one of them? And uh, <laughs> but the woman knows that she's found out. So it says that she discloses to all, tells everyone there what happened, her story, and what happens. Jairus hears it all, and it's at that moment that. The servants come and say, don't bother the master anymore. Your, your daughter's dead. Yeah. And then Jesus looks and says, only believe. And the reason that's important is that Jesus just had told the woman, woman, daughter, your faith has made you well. Like, so this is what happens if you believe. Now, Jairus, you're going to need to believe. Here's the example that, that just happened for you. You saw the miracle I did. I'm going to do another miracle. Do you believe? It's like, that's the example in a way of the saints for us. Here's the miracle God did there. Do you believe it? Uh, yes, I believe it. You're going to do that. Something in me. I know you're going to do it. I trust you. And that's, that's, that's amazing how much we witness God's faithfulness to everyone around us, even in ways we don't even realize. You're talking about this story. It comes out of uh, the Gospel of Mark, starting in uh, chapter 4, and then goes all the way, I think, I think the story goes all the way to chapter 6. So think about being Peter and the disciples on this day, right? You're in the boat, and there's a storm, and you're worried you're going to die, and Jesus gets up and says, peace be still, and the water calms down. They immediately get out of the boat out of that storm and get into the place where there is the demoniac on the, on the shore. And out of one storm and into another, and Jesus heals that person. And then you have Jairus approach and say, come and follow me. And of course, Mark always says between things, and immediately, and immediately, that's his favorite word. So immediately you have Jairus come to him and they start walking towards that. They get to the woman with the issue of blood 
stops in the middle of that, as you said, and then they go all the way to Jairus. And then the very next thing that happens, it says in the beginning of chapter six, he went away from there and came to his own country and his disciples followed him and began to teach in the synagogue. And here in his own hometown, he's rejected. And how often do we do that, right? We see the witness of the saints over and over and over again. God provided for them and for them and for them. But when he gets to me, all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, no, I don't know that you can really pull it off. Just like the people in Nazareth, after all of these miraculous events, couldn't see past what they knew. And to see God is providing faithfulness through the person of Jesus Christ, but I knew him when he was a kid. So, you know, maybe not. Well, God doesn't know my circumstances because God might be faithful to them, but not to me. And so we yeah. we have to, I think, resist that and to look to the witness of of God's faithfulness and not be lulled into this sense of of the hometown of the of the people at Nazareth who rejected Jesus and rejected all of those magnificent signs of His divinity by saying, "Well, you know, you don't know my situation." Right. There's a lot there, TL, that that. Um that we could talk about just the way that people are, are brought up the lack of, uh, of examples and witnesses, the struggle, you know, just feelings of, of um, a lack of self-worth and I mean, just all of that so often can come in to, to play when it comes to our relationship with, with Jesus. I, I do a, a big talk on relational pillars that, the way that we, um, our relationship is with our parents and with our friends and with our significant others, these pillars either help us come closer to understanding who God is or can often detract and take away from that understanding. And so you have a whole bunch of people who've grown up in these dysfunctional scenarios and struggle and struggle regularly with, um, with who they are. Mm-hmm. And they bring all of this baggage into the relationship with Jesus. They may spend the entirety of their life just learning that simple truth that, that God loves them, you know? And so it's hard. It's hard to get them to, to say, I I'm ready to walk, you know, on water like Peter. Well, and even Peter um, got overwhelmed by the situation and began to sink and Jesus didn't berate him. He reached out to him and he rescued him. And he said, Oh, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? And I think the same thing is true of us when we fall short of that is uh, we don't get berated, but we do get invited into a deeper trust with God. The event is the Saint Summit. It's coming up on December 10th through 12th. You can learn more at saintsummit.com. The summit itself is free as you can hear talks about 25 saints and how they can enrich your life. Uh, But you can also buy an all-access pass. It's $50 if you get it before the summit happens. And with that pass comes uh, on-demand access, MP3s, and then also coloring books for the kids and parents' guides to help you introduce these saints to your children. And a portion of all proceeds benefits the St. John Paul II Life Center in Austin, Texas, a pro-life facility dedicated to helping women choose life and assists them with medical care. Registration is open now at saintsummit.com. When we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Chris Paget about his involvement in the Saint Summit, as well as a couple of other things he's doing this Advent season. Come join the ongoing conversation at facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. I would love to hear what you think. And don't go anywhere. There's much more right after this. 
You're listening to Outside the Walls with TL. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the implications of our belief on our daily life. I'm your host, T.L. Putnam, and we're here just about in the second week of Advent. What is your Advent practice like? What are the things that you're doing to, to make this Advent season Advent, maybe by yourself or with your spouse or with your family? One of the things we're doing every night is uh, for bedtime, everything is shifted, right? So we turn off all the lights in the house. The kids come and they sit down. And we read through the readings from Mass uh, with that with whichever appropriate Advent candle is lit. Uh, and then read through the readings and make up our own psalm tone. And then we close the night with some Advent hymn. We're doing this the first week of Advent we did, O Come Divine Messiah. Next week we're going to do Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And we'll just keep that going throughout the season of Advent. I want to hear about your Advent practice. Come and tell me over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Uh, we're talking today with Chris Paget, who's part of uh, the Saint Summit, saintsummit.com, which is a beautiful uh, opportunity to, with you and your whole family to come and learn about 25 saints, about what they went through in their life. But this is no mere hagiography. This is also a, a moment of encouragement where we see how God was faithful in their lives and in their struggles and in the particular ways that God was faithful to them in such a way that it relates to us where we are today and we can take encouragement and direction and ask for the intercession of these saints as we go through our struggles today. Chris, thanks so much for being with us today. Amen. What a blessing. Thank you. I'm excited about it. So you're talking about, you You must have got in early because somehow you got Mary as your topic. And No, I, this is funny. I, I didn't. I They they had, <laughs> I, I think I... I lucked out here. It's not luck, but you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah quote unquote luck. Right. <laughs> it was a go God, God incident. Is that right. what they say? Uh, I, you know, what happened was um, they had a ton of great saints that, that everybody just gravitated towards. And I had actually this whole year, I've been reading a lot on St. Francis of Assisi and St. Clair. And I just thought, and I could I could totally do something that. And then St. Joseph, I've been in the zone with him for quite a while. And, you know, abandonment, divine providence and all that good stuff, right? Coming up here, we got a canonization about to happen. Well, long and short of it is, uh, I, I realized nobody had Mary. And I'm like, what? Well, <laughs> yeah, dude, I was like, I'm I'm going in. So I, I asked and uh, they were like, yep, that's cool. And that for me was so exciting because... Um, anytime I get the chance to talk about, write about, uh, reflect on the blessed mother, I I'm all in because well, you it's have your, such a big deal. Yeah. You have your STL, your, your licentiate no. in Marian studies. So I, I'm so pumped that that's over. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, I, I don't want to take away from what you're going to talk about on the day on the saint summit, because you've got yeah. a, a beautiful talk about Mary that everyone should go and watch. For free, December 10th through 12th, 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, at saintsummit.com. But what can you tell us to give us some encouragements, uh, maybe just a little taste? And I know that there's so much more about Mary than you covered in that topic. So let's talk 
There's something about Mary. Let's talk about that. Well, I, you know, it's funny because I've done a lot on Mary with the, with the Cardinal conferences that they've put together over the last year and a half or two. And I love it. So um, this was kind of exciting because I've been really in the zone with this idea of poverty. Again, insert St. Francis and, yeah. and the like. Well, when I looked at some of the struggles that, that Mary as a young teenage girl would have experienced, uh, you know, a pregnant young woman at that, the misunderstandings, the, the judgments, the, you know, um, just kind of the struggle and, and, uh, and just the reality of life at that age and that time. You know, it just made me realize that in so many ways, we all have a, a poverty that that really can be united to Mary in such a beautiful way. And when she when she even articulates that in her Magnificat, um, it's really just a call to all who have ever felt, I think, small and lowly and that they haven't really fit in. And yet God still is pouring his blessing and his favor down upon uh, upon her. And, and I think that that really resonates for us in this time, that we all are going through various poverty. Some people during the last year and a half or two have struggled with financial losses and with feelings of anxiety, frustration, kids who obviously have wanted to be back in school and do their sports and the music programs that they love, uh, feeling that disconnection from those that they that they have just learned to lean on. And I, I had my own, one of my own kids who really just, I saw him kind of fall apart this last year doing the, doing the, the home, you know, school over the, the zoom calls. And it, it just was catastrophic in so many ways. And it's hard, it's hard sometimes to say, is that a worthy avenue of suffering that a saint could come from? You know, I think we all have our idealized areas of suffering. Like if I, only I could have tuberculosis, like St. Therese of Lisieux, then I could be a saint. But, you know, there were all of these kids this year, this last year and a half that that ached and agonized and had these anxieties and these feelings of that poverty. And I just think that Mary lends this hope uh not once do we hear her try to explain herself to anyone who misunderstood her or who judged her. At all times, she made room in her heart, in her life for God. And she just invites us to give that seemingly insignificant, that widow's might, that smallness to God who does the miraculous. And um, I've been soaking in that all, all year, and it's been really a blessing. So I just kind of took time to unpack that. It's interesting. There's been a lot of in in media recently about the yes day, right? So there's a movie about what happens if you go in a whole day without saying no. You just say yes to your kids all day yeah. long. Right. Uh, really heart, heartwarming kind of movies. But the idea of what can happen if you say yes instead of no, I think is most fully exemplified by Mary, who says right. in these situations where God comes to me and asks something of me that seems impossible or that my first inclination would be no, or that seem really insurmountable. Instead, I'm going to be say, let it be done to me according to your word. Amen. Yeah. Well, and I'm, I think I'm, <laughs> in some ways those, uh, you know, I don't know, little fads of let's say yes to everything can certainly lend itself to great opportunities to to wreck yourself, (laughs) (laughs) you know, like, yes to mortal sin, you know, right. Uh, But, but the truth, uh, I think what's kind of beautiful about looking at Mary's, Mary's yes, is it's, it's almost like 
what would happen if you really fully gave yourself to God? Like what could happen yeah. if, and then here's this young, I mean, think about it. When, uh, with the feeding of the 5,000, 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Right. You know, Mary was one of the uncountable uh, people, if you will. And yet her story is so profound and applicable for us today. And how many have ever felt unseen and unloved and overlooked, un, un, you know, uncounted. Yeah. And that poverty, it just, it we're given an example of a yes that is truly life-changing. I think about that a lot, even for uh, every time we do our little pre-Cana talks for, for young couples getting married, like the, this yes is so unique in the, the entirety of all relationships. These two people coming together, it's a miracle. Uh, I sometimes I'll joke and say it's a miracle that out of all the people on the planet, you two found each other and decided let's let's get into debt together. You know. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna take this moment to segue just one last time. Go to Saint yeah. SaintSummit.com, SaintSummit.com, uh, December 10th through the 12th, or you can get uh, fifty dollars and have lifetime access to it. Lots of other goodies and support the uh, the John Paul II Pro-Life Center in Austin, Texas. I'm going to take this moment, though, and segue uh, as you're starting to talk about marriage. You've got nine kids. I have eight. Mine are younger than yours. Um, and so you, you, you know what it's like to be a parent. You know what it's like for... Uh, the, the married life to get so caught up in the hectic pace of child raising. Um, but you have something going on this Advent yourself as well, outside of the Saint Summit, something that you're doing with your wife on uh, the webpage is chrisandlindapaget.com. You have an Advent thing for couples. I, I That's about as much as I know about it. I saw a little link yep. to it. That's it. Tell me what we can see there. Uh, because listen, as a, as a dad of, of eight kids at home, uh, I need a little Advent <laughs> shot in the arm with my wife. What, what can we find there? Well, what we did was Linda, Linda and I, so we've been married for 31-ish years. Which doesn't seem uh, possible because you look like you're 12, but nonetheless. I know. Thank God for the youth ministry I do. That, that, that helps. But yeah, we've been married a long time. And I think what we realized is that, you know, there are a lot of things that that we just take for granted and, and that I think could really encourage couples. And, and even, even in our once a month, we'll do in our diocese, this little date night virtually for couples that want to come on. And, and what we realized is that just basic things that we take for granted, like here, let's do, like you were just talking, here's my Advent journey. Here's what we're going to do as a family. Like that's, a foreign concept to the vast majority of couples. So we said, let's put a virtual, like just little retreat. And then Linda made a PDF thing so that all week long, you can have a little activity thing to do as a couple. And it's almost like a, here, let's just kind of walk with you and just begin this journey of saying a little bit of a yes to more of God in your relationship as you journey towards uh, right uh, Christmas. And so we put this virtual retreat together. There are four different 
presentations. It, it, it is, if you click on the Sanctify Your Marriage button or you just go to sanctifyyourmarriage.com, it takes you to the teachable area. We have this little platform where all these videos are. And the Advent one is there. I think it's called CPR. And it's uh, just kind of this breathing new life into your into your relationship. Maybe you have a great relationship and that's cool because this dives uh, deep into scripture, but it also helps people who are doing this for the first time. So Linda's super type A. I am super not type A. Yeah. And so we work really well together because she insists that we have an outline and that we're organized. I am passionate and excited and I get super lost in the beauty of various tangents. And she <laughs> and she wants to make sure that we have a prayer exercise. And so, I mean, honestly, it's such a great collaboration of our two takes on our, our faith life and mm-hmm. And, uh, and really, the examples are simple. We just wanted to look at what are some of the ways that people said yes and some of the ways that people said no to welcoming God in their life. So you can juxtapose Mary to right, um, Elizabeth and Zechariah or Mary with the innkeeper or uh, what, what do we learn from the wise men? So any of the characters, primary characters, we kind of do a little exploration on. And I love it. I, it's something we've, we, we've, this is our second year of doing it. One of the things I like about this concept is that it's so easy in marriage to to get caught up in the busyness of of living life that maybe you can find time for prayer by yourself, maybe, but the idea of developing your spiritual life with your spouse in a way that benefits your marriage as opposed to, I'm going to go and spend an hour in adoration, you stay with the kids this time and then we'll flip or something like that. To find something that we can do to enrich our spiritual life together is is just gold. Oh, it's imperative. I think that's part of the missing link uh, uh, when it comes to relationships. Again, couples are really good about talking about what they need to do for investments or for what they need to get to you know, beautify their house, what they need to to do for food so they can get healthier. I mean, they'll have those conversations, but when it comes to faith, it's, it's almost like, it's not that they don't want to, it's just that so often they're not really sure what that means. And I think what we wanted to do was to kind of almost not like dangle, but just invite couples to, to look at, you could go a long way with this idea. And all we're wanting to do is just kind of get the ball rolling. And then you, what would happen if you picked that up and kind of ran with it a little bit. And so um, this all came about because of a friend of mine who does a lot of work with the liturgy and providing materials for dioceses all over the country. And uh, Jesse told me, he said, I don't know why you guys are not, do- the couples need this. I need this. We, you know, there are couples out there that need what you, what you have to say. And, um, you know, <laughs> I, I just like tonight we did a, a we do the the pre-cana retreats for Newark, New Jersey and Syracuse, New York every month regularly. Uh, and then we travel around the world and do a lot of marriage missions and things like that. I, I, I spend we spend our time usually in that retreat trying to get across one simple idea, which is if you would just let Jesus into your marriage, it will be the game changer. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, if you could just start there, you know, 
And so I think what we found over the years is that you might have one person in the relationship who is doing exactly what you said. I'm going to go to adoration. I'm going to read the next book coming out from, you know, wherever, watch this series. And then there's a complete disconnect with the rest of the family. If you get mom and dad even remotely close to being on the same page, everything changes for the whole family. Yeah. You can learn out more about that by going to chrisandlindapadgett.com. We'll put a link up on our social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls. On Twitter, the handle's at outside the walls. Once you're there at chrisandlindapadgett.com, make sure to click that thing in the top bar in the navigation bar that says sanctify your marriage and go through this advent. I know it's, I know we're already like a weekend, but you can catch up. You can do this. Easy to do. Uh, go through this advent uh, study, this advent curriculum and that that might be a little bit scary that's a scary word you can go through this <laughs> advent thing uh with your spouse uh chris yes. thank you so much for talking with us today it's been a pleasure what a blessing thank you if you missed any part of my conversation with chris paget and you don't want to miss any of this conversation uh maybe you want to share it with your friends on social media have no fear all of our episodes are archived over at outsidethewalls.com you can just scroll down the front page until you see his lovely picture click on it and listen to it right there or if uh, if you want to go and listen in the future, well, over in the left-hand side, you got to ex- expand that sidebar out on the left-hand side, and there you'll see the list of all of the guests we've ever had. Find the guest you want, click on the name, and see all of those episodes. And as always, there's extra. If you listen to this and you just can't get enough, I've got good news. There's more. Uh, Our Patreon support community helps keep us on the air, and in gratitude, we give them an extra segment each and every week. If that's something you want to get in on, well, while you're there at OutsideTheWalls.com, up in the top right-hand corner of the page, you'll see a link that says Patreon-support-the-show. Click that link, look through it, see if that's something that interests you, and if it is, man, I've got a lot of content for you, including a great extra segment with Chris Paget this week. Well, let's go ahead now and turn our attention to our readings from Scripture and from church history. That's the sound of the Verbum Library launching up. Verbum helps you read Scripture in light of church teaching, putting the magisterium at your fingertips, linking Scripture to the catechism, to the doctors and fathers of the church, and so much more. Learn more at Verbum.com. Our reading from Scripture today comes from the book of Isaiah. It's the first reading and the Saturday of the first week of Advent. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, O people of Zion who dwell in Jerusalem, no more will you weep. He will be gracious to you when you cry out. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. The Lord will give you the bread you need and the water for which you thirst. No longer will your teacher hide himself, but with your own eyes you shall see your teacher, while from behind A voice shall sound in your ears. This is the way. Walk in it when you would turn to the right or to the left. He will give rain for the seed that you sow in the ground. And the wheat that the soil produces will be rich and abundant. On that day your flock will be given pasture, and the lamb will graze in spacious meadows. The oxen and the asses that till the ground will eat silage tossed to them with shovel and pitchfork. Upon every high mountain and lofty hill, there will be streams of running water. On the day of the great slaughter, when the towers fell, the light of the moon will be like that of the sun, and the light of the sun will be seven times greater, like the light of seven days. 
On the day the Lord binds up the wounds of his people, he will heal the bruises left by his blows. That reading comes again from the book of the prophet Isaiah. And how often do we feel feel beaten down and we feel like we can't take any more and we feel like things are never going to get better or we're never going to see um, the, the promises of God brought to fulfillment. And again, just like we talked with Chris earlier, we look to the, the example of God's faithfulness in the past, whether we're looking to his faithfulness to the saints or whether we're looking to his faithfulness throughout Scripture to his people. Every, every promise that God has made, he has kept, and his promises to us will be no different. And that doesn't mean that we're never going to endure hardship. The witness of the saints and the witness of the people of God throughout Scripture is that they have gone through the valley of the shadow of death. And yet even there, the psalmist says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. This is the great promise, and this is the great promise that we specifically look to during the season of Advent, that God is not a God who is removed from us. But even here, even in this moment where Jesus is resurrected, sitting at the right hand of God the Father and not um, visible in a, in a tangible way, even now we are recipients of the promise that God is Emmanuel, God is with us, and that the great promises of God is that we don't go through this hardship alone, but he currently at this moment, is with us in the midst of that hardship, and still, even in the midst of that hardship and sometimes through that hardship, brings about the fulfillment of his promises to us. God is faithful. Our reading from church history today comes from a sermon by St. Peter Chrysologus. It rolls around every second week of Advent, and I, if you've been around long enough, you know I love St. Peter Chrysologus, the golden-worded And he says to us what I think we most need to hear today. When God saw the world falling to ruin because of fear, he immediately acted to call it back to himself with love. He invited it by his grace, preserved it by his love, and embraced it with compassion. When the earth had become hardened by evil, God sent the flood both to punish and to release it. He called Noah to be the father of a new era, urged him with kind words, and showed that he trusted him. He gave him fatherly instruction about the present calamity, and through his grace consoled him with hope for the future. But God did not merely issue commands. Rather, with Noah sharing the work, he filled the ark with the future seed of the whole world. The sense of loving fellowship thus engendered removed servile fear, and a mutual love could continue to preserve what shared labor had affected. God called Abraham out of the heathen world, symbolically lengthened his name, and made him the father of all believers. God walked with him on his journeys, protected him in foreign lands, enriched him with earthly possessions, and honored him with victories. He made a covenant with him, saved him from harm, accepted his hospitality, and astonished him by giving him the offspring he had despaired of. Favored with so many graces and drawn by such great sweetness of divine love, Abraham was to learn to love God 
rather than fear him. And love rather than fear was to inspire his worship. God comforted Jacob by a dream during his flight, roused him to combat upon his return, and encircled him with a wrestler's embrace to teach him not to be afraid of the author of conflict, but to love him. God called Moses as a father would, and with fatherly affection invited him to become the liberator of his people. In all the events we have recalled, the flame of divine love enkindled human hearts, and its intoxication overflowed into men's senses. Wounded by love, they longed to look upon God with their bodily eyes. Yet how could our narrow human vision apprehend God, whom the whole world cannot contain? But the law of love is not concerned with what will be, what ought to be, what can be. Love does not reflect. It is unreasonable and knows no moderation. Love refuses to be consoled when its goal proves impossible, despises all hindrance to the attainment of its object. Love destroys the lover if he cannot obtain what he loves. Love follows its own promptings and does not think of right and wrong. Love inflames desire, which impels it towards things that are forbidden. But why continue? It is intolerable for love not to see the object of its longing. That is why whatever reward they merited was nothing to the saints if they could not see the Lord. A love that desires to see God may not have reasonableness on its side, but it is the evidence of filial love. It gave Moses the temerity to say, If I have found favor in your eyes, show me your face. It inspired the psalmist to make the same prayer, Show me your face. Even the pagans made their images for this purpose. They wanted to actually see what they mistakenly revered. That reading comes from a sermon by St. Peter Chrysologus. And in this, he revisits that which we've already talked about, this revisiting the faithfulness of God and the lives of those who have gone before us, both in Scripture and those saints who have gone before us, and to see God's faithfulness in those moments so as to draw us today toward that same prayer, that same desire. Lord, let me see your face. And Advent is just the perfect time to do this. Even as uh, the, the status quo is to rush towards getting everything done for Christmas, take a step back. Really step into Advent, this longing for the coming of Christ, not only remembering his coming as, a, as an infant, but also longing for his coming at the end of all things. But St. Bernard of Clairvaux also talks about a third coming, this longing for the coming of Christ here in our present moment. Lord, let me see your face. So whatever it takes, whether it's uh, going to chrisandlindapaget.com uh, to participate in this Advent uh, thing that they're doing, whether it's being a part of the Saints Summit, saintsummit.com, and listening to the lives and the witness of the saints so as to rely more fully on the providence of God and to draw us into that same prayer. Whatever it is that's going to help you experience that deep longing for the presence of God, take some time here at the beginning of Advent as we're getting started 
to set the tone for your Advent preparation, to prepare yourself to be able to say with Mary, whatever you're asking God, let it be done to me according to your word. That's all the time we have for today. Today's show is brought to you by Michael and Julie Highland and all of those who support the show through Patreon. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com and click that Patreon link in the top right-hand corner and join their numbers. And until next week, let nothing disturb you. Let nothing affright you. All things are passing, but God is unchanging. Patience obtains all things. Who has God lacks nothing? God alone suffices. 